Oh, thank God it is Friday. I don't know about you, but this work week just seemed to drag on and on. And I am glad it's the weekend, even though this one is heavily, heavily involved for me. So I don't have any free time this weekend. So I hope everyone's got some good plans for the uh, weekend. Hopefully where you are, the weather isn't what they're suspecting here in the Chicagoland area, which they're constantly talking about rain. So last night I was talking about the uh, events leading up to the First World War, and specifically getting up to the point where Germany was uh, mobilizing on the uh, 31st of July. Now, I hadn't really brought up anything regarding what the French were up to, how they even got involved, or better yet, why the British got involved. So this is pretty much the pinnacle of no uh, point of no return, basically. And uh, it gets gets really interesting how nobody at this point is going to turn the clock back. Nobody's smart enough to try to stop what's going on. You know, to, to kind of summarize what I had talked about in a previous was how Russia was mobilizing a few days before Germany, and they essentially couldn't stop it they could not stop their mobilization, just no way they can do it. So as the events move forward, we get pulled into why France gets involved with this war. Now remember, France and Russia are an alliance. If one of them is attacked by any one of the central powers, the other is going to come to its defense. So this is how this happens. In Paris, events have began to take shape. France was expecting to face the brunt of a German attack if war did break out. They were also being kept up to date on Russian preparations for war. The French chief of staff, Joseph Joffrey, was urging the government to issue its own preparations. On August 1st, Joffrey was outlining the necessity of ordering the mobilization. He had received reports of German mobilization from the call-up of reservists, requisitions, and the purchase of horses. The chief of staff insisted that, quote, the last possible time limit for publishing the order would expire 4 p.m., unquote. Joffrey did not want Mulkey to get a head start if war did break out. With the German ultimatum still hours from expiring with Russia, the French cabinet met to decide whether to mobilize its forces. While the political leaders in Paris met, the Germans sent out another ultimatum, this time to France. The Germans wanted clarification of French intentions in case of war between Germany and France. What the Germans were looking for was French neutrality. So kind of break down this uh, situation here. So what the Germans are trying to do is they're trying to understand how involved France wants to get if there's a war coming between Germany and Russia. Germany knows that there is an alliance between the two. They do know that if one is attacked, they're gonna to come to their aid. This is how the Germans are gonna set up their war preparations. Now, the German war preparations at this point, it's called the Schieffen Plan, is to mass all their armies against France, invade them first, knock them out of the war, and then turn around and move east to attack Russia before they can fully mobilize because it's gonna take them longer. Just to kind of skin the surface of that, we could always get in depth with that later. 
but just to kind of give you a mindset of what the Germans are looking for, which way they're going to put their pieces on the chart, you know, on the chessboard. So it looks like here that about noon on the first, the deadline passed for for the Russian reply, and the French at 1 p.m. So after this, everything starts to really escalate pretty quick that afternoon. Portales was given instructions to inform Zazanov that the Russian government at 6 p.m. of war if they still would not stop mobilizing. So the Germans basically gave the uh, Russians an ultimatum. If you don't stop by 6, we're going to war. The French, on the other hand, were told they must surrender forts along the border with Germany as a measure of good faith and neutrality. No country is going to do this. So this, this is interesting. In reality, the Germans were hoping the French would decline the offer as their own wars co- plans called for an invasion of France in the event of war with Russia. So there it is. They know France will say no, which gives them the pretext to attack. Yeah, if everything goes according to plan, of course. By 4 p.m., the French cabinet, at the urging of Joffrey, agreed to mobilize, but only under the condition that this was a defensive measure. I'll come back to get them later. At 6, Portelay entered into Zazanov's office. He asked Zazanov whether Russia would agree to Germany's demand for mobilization to stop. Zazanov told him that orders simply could not be reversed, as I stated earlier. But Russia still wanted to use diplomacy as a means to end the crisis. He went on to tell Portelais that he had no other reply to give him. Portelais withdrew from pocket the declaration of war, turned, walked over the window, and wept. <laughs> See? No measures to stop at anything. For anybody. Europe on August 2nd, Germany and Russia were at war. The French were mobilizing its armies, and Great Britain was still sitting idly by, trying to persuade the others to enter a mediation. The Germans had sent an ultimatum to Belgium late on the 1st. They were demanding access for passing through the country on the road to France. They were given a 12-hour window now. The British government, upon hearing the news of the German ultimatum, conveyed an emergency cabinet meeting. Many in the meeting would not stand for German aggression into Belgium. The British, along with the French, had signed an agreement with the country of Belgium in 1839, this allowing Belgium neutrality. The Belgian king, Albert I, decided immediately that the German ultimatum should be rejected. So Belgium and his king is basically going to tell Germany no because he figures he's going to have the backing of Great Britain and France. Sounds legit. Now it looks like... um, Paris on the uh, 3rd now of August, William Schoon, the German ambassador, was given a letter from Bethman. He was to report to the French Prime Minister and hand him a declaration of war. See how fast everything changes in two days? The German government claimed that it was driven to these conditions by French advances into the area of Alsace by attacks from French planes. It was also stated that one such plane threw a bomb in a German bridge. And there was no proof to this. Now, the next day, the British government issued an ultimatum to Germany, stating that it would assure Belgium neutrality and set a deadline for 11 p.m. 
the German Germans never responded to the British ultimatum and 11 p.m. on the 4th of August Great Britain was at war with Germany see within three days three days you go from the situation where the Tsar cannot stop mobilization the Kaiser's asking them to you know, do what you can to stop it. Let's keep this at least localized in the Balkans. At this point, we've all forgotten about why this has happened. And we go back to my earlier episode when I had said, remember where you were if you had lived in this time? The Archduke is assassinated. And to think that in one month, this is what comes out of it. One month later. And essentially, nope. Things escalated so quick at the very last days of July and into early August that I don't think any one of them knew how to stop it. Everything was set up in such a fashion that things were going to escalate, and they had to. Nobody was willing to back down. No one was willing to stop. And as you see, these ultimatums were just coming so fast. And, and look, nobody... No head of state was going to say and agree to these conditions. You know, Belgium would have been very stupid to allow the Germans, yeah, sure, come through to attack, you know, France. So everything happened in a way that everyone knew would, you know, plan out. Ideally, you know, you wonder if any of these leaders back then would have really thought what the next four years was going to bring. I'm sure they would have done something different about that. The July crisis has been one of the most heavily debated events in recent history. Who was to blame? How could no one see the carnage that was going to unfold? Why didn't anyone stop it? Many historians have spent years tracking every detail of the crisis. While it has, in most cases, seen as a German fault, historians such as Sean McMeekin argue that Russia was at fault. Namely, its decision to mobilize before the Serbs replied to the ultimatum from Austria he also brings to light that Russia was looking for a means to a war in which they can conquer Constantinople. It's very true. Other historians, such as Max Hastings, contend that by issuing the blank check, Germany should shoulder the blame. So, Russia was in the middle of mobile, you know, uh, modernizing, and we're still three years away. Germany wanted a war because they knew that was going to happen. And Russia has, you know, has grander schemes. Constantinople had been a target for them in the 1850s. And that didn't work out so well during the Crimean War. So why did Germany get the blame out of all this? Well, at the end of the, end of the war, during the armistice, one of the last agreements that they had to do was called the Fault Clause. And in the Fault Clause, Germany and Germany alone had to take the blame for the entire war. And that's why they had to pay heavy reparations. So possibly in future episodes, I might do a prequel to this in which I start bringing together the countries, the major powers of World War One, kind of leading up to this, and maybe some um, major players like the Tsar and the Kaiser, and kind of get a background of why this all comes to be. But I hope we kind of learned something new about this, maybe a different perspective, that it wasn't simply Germany at fault. They were all at fault. Till next time.